guys, and welcome to the Guiding Compass podcast. Sandra here. I am really happy to announce that we are finally available for download on iTunes. Um, if you guys are a supporter of the show or you listen, if you're passionate about helping destigmatize mental health, please subscribe, share, and help us get the word out there about the Guiding Compass podcast. I'm really excited about it. It's a big step for me. Um, and for the podcast, and I'm really passionate about reaching as many people as we can and really providing education about mental health and wellness and just spreading the word, having these discussions and making the information available to more people. So today we are going to be talking about a topic that impacts all of us, and that is sleep. Um, I have Amanda Cortez here. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She practices in Campbell, California, and she's going to be joining us today to talk a little bit about her work with crisis and how she has kind of seen the impact of sleep on mental health, both for clients and for clinicians. So Amanda, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what made you passionate about this work, how you got into it, and why sleep is something that you were um, excited to share about and tell people more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I started in crisis work um, a couple years ago, and I didn't really – yeah, I – been doing it a long time, but I didn't really immerse myself in crisis work until I would say about four four years ago, where I was doing um, psychiatric first responding to youth that are suicidal, um, homicidal, or gravely disabled. Um, and so with that, I really started seeing a common theme in regards to how sleep plays a strong role in mental health. Um, I myself, as many other people, struggle with sleep, and you know I. I, it wasn't until I had my first sleep study, which was long overdue in November of 2017, in which I really started looking deeper into the mental health effects um, in regards to not having enough sleep. And for people with certain diagnosis, especially to trauma and mood disorders and personality disorders, all tie into lack of sleep. Um, so I'm still learning and still venturing out. I think one of the things is, you know, I can't tell people enough of how important sleep is. Um, so yeah, so that's why I'm pretty passionate about the sleep. I know that I've experienced it myself, having sleep apnea, insomnia, um, two minutes away from being dar- diagnosed with narcolepsy, um, and really seeing those impacts on clinicians and other clients being in the field. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And both of us, you know, we are both therapists and what many people don't realize is most, most mental health disorders, whether that's anxiety or depression, PTSD, that's something that we always assess for is how much sleep are you getting per night? Because when you get clients talking about that, what you get is, oh, I'm only getting like three to four hours of sleep. I, I take four or five hours to fall asleep or I'm waking up every other hour and there's just no way to really help a client and, you know, really tackle the mental health issues unless their medical issues are under um, control first. And sleep is part of that. Yeah. You know, you make a great point because, you know, when I see clients, um, one of the things I'm always asking is sleep, how many hours? And, you know, I really dissect that if they're like, you know, I'm getting about, I think I'm getting a good average, you know, some will say seven. Okay. 
okay, well, what is that? Are you sleeping throughout the whole night? Are you tossing and turning? I'll ask about nightmares, dreams, how, how's your breathing? Um, I'm not a medical provider. However, when I do kind of hear small pieces of, well, yeah, I toss and turn a lot. And yeah, I do have nightmares. And yeah, you know, I don't feel rested. I always highly recommend that they go see a sleep specialist or they check in with their primary care physician um, because those are things that could be contributing to anxiety and depression. So it's when I'm in practice and I have clients that are like, you know, experiencing depression or experiencing anxiety, it all ties into, you know, I want them to take the treatment of anxiety and depression um, serious just in in their sleep, just as serious as that treatment. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about what sleep studies are? Because I think a lot of people hear about that and they're like, you're tied up to a machine. That sounds super <laughs> violating. People are watching you. Sleep. But they're actually really important because that's something that we really aren't conscious of is what we're doing in the night. Um, and there, I think that there's a lot of fear about doing a, a sleep study, at least for me. I would be kind of like nervous about it. So can you tell us a little bit about what those look like and why you recommend them to clients? Yeah. So, um, you know, I could tell from my experience and and other people are going to have their own reaction to the experience, but mine was quite positive. I would say, you know, I went in, um, just explained my situation with sleep to my doctor. My doctor recommended the sleep study. Uh, the typical sleep study is about 12 hours. I was recommended to have a 24 hour sleep study, um, which, you know, it was, I went in at 6 p.m in the evening and was, you know, they told me which ingredients I should wash my face with. I mean, everything was so important, how to shower, what to not to shampoo my hair, only condition it. I was like, wow, okay. Um, They're pretty particular. I went in and 6pm in the evening, they put you in a room, you are everyone was very sweet, first of all, very nice. And they have cameras, they're listening. So there's audio and cameras for 24 hours. Um, I had about, I wish I could send you a picture. I probably had about 24 different cords all over my body, my arms, my armpits, my chest, my stomach, my head, uh, for 24 hours. And so, um, when I was, I started at 6 PM, they linked me up with the cords and I, they just said, you know what, go to sleep whenever you start to feel tired, but let us know when you are going to sleep. So they kept the lights on. Um, around, I don't know, I think it was 10 PM. I was falling asleep. You're able to also have your technology in there too. You just want to have a regular evening, 10 PM, let them know I was going to sleep. And throughout the entire night they're watching. Um, I woke up, I was woken up about 6 AM and I had had my breakfast. I had to stay up for an hour. So I'd stay up for an hour and then take a nap. So I had a series of about six naps throughout the day that were um, based on how well or how well I wasn't sleeping. So every hour I'd stay awake, but I'd have to remove myself from the bed and sit in a chair and either watch TV or I could have visitors. But after that hour, I'd have to go and prompt myself to take a nap. And I slept through every nap. <laughs> they had a um, until hey, about this is kind of fun being able to take multiple naps in a day. It was interesting. I was like, wow, more people should nap. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's so funny that you're saying that because this morning I went out to grab a coffee and um, I was in Brentwood near the 
um, Country Mart area, and there mm-hmm. was a sign for a napping room incorporated. And I was like, <laughs> is this real? Like, I took a picture of it, and I was like, is this real? And I Googled it, and it is real. There is a room that is, like, for people to go nap during the middle of the day and it's like a functioning business you pay a fee and you go nap and I was like that's so crazy but well it kind of speaks to the fact that so many people are really sleep deprived I know my yeah it's so hard to perform well at work or pay attention and be present in your daily life if if that's off well it's so interesting because I feel like what I've I've you know they, I, you know, I always think to myself, I, I'm, I, I wish there were centers where I could just go, like you go get a massage or like you go get a medic, like a pedicure or manicure, you go take a nap. And I'm really happy that you saw that because I think we need more stations like that or just centers like that, or what's incorporated in a wellness center should, you should be able to take a nap. And it, and it also shows our society and how we feel like taking a nap during the day or whatever it may be is for some people might be a waste of time, right? Or a luxury, but we should be sleeping more. It should be a priority. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so true. And it's so funny because, you know, when we're children and preschool, that's just like a standard part of your day. And then <laughs> around high school, middle school age, you actually need way more sleep. Teenagers, mm-hmm. their body is growing and changing, but school starts at like six or seven thirty in the morning. And you see kind of kids like not getting enough sleep and super sleep deprived. And I wonder if there's any correlation with that too. And like higher um, diagnoses of like ADHD and anxiety and depression. Oh like, yeah. Oh Yeah. That's not healthy. Yeah, that's extremely common. I mean, if you look at the correlation with those types of diagnoses, you'll see the limited amount of sleep people can get. I mean, if ADHD or PTSD, um, anxiety disorders, I mean, even, even for people with those diagnoses, it can be even just a process trying to fall asleep or stay asleep, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're worried about what the next day is going to be like and you just you wake up too early and you can't fall back asleep. Um, People really, you know, I would hope that take the tools seriously to, to, or use the tools to, to fall back asleep or stay asleep. Um, well, I guess so, so many, it's just going through my mind right now, but okay, I guess what I'm trying to say is yes, there's a high correlation of lack of sleep within those, the mental health, um, diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tell me what they found by doing this crazy sleep study and kind of how did you use that to change your own habits? Well, you know, so in crisis work, I was doing four tens and, you know, it was a mobile crisis response team. Um, and I'm still working in the crisis department. I'm a, I also oversee a psychiatric unit for youth. Um, and so my, my schedule was just intense. I mean, <laughs> It, I, I could, it's a 24 hour program. So I, you know, I had my regular daily schedule four tens and then I could pick up night shifts, but I was so, I was working so much, I think. And because after I would do a four ten, I do an eight to six and then I'd get home after a case and my adrenaline would still be kicking and I'd want to go for a run or I'd want to go for a workout. And then in my workout, I'd feel better, but my adrenaline would still be kicking and I wouldn't, really be falling asleep until 10 or 11 at night. And that was just not enough sleep for me anyway. I needed, I need about a solid eight hours of sleep. I do. Um, so I went in and, and, you know, it turns out I have sleep apnea, which, um, 
I feel like people who don't have sleep apnea should use the machine, the sleep apnea machine anyway. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what is sleep apnea? Is that the one where you don't get enough air? Yeah. Yeah. Up? You don't get enough air, um, in your, yeah, in your body at night. So what happens is you wake up throughout the night because you stop breathing for a couple of seconds and it causes you to wake up. And some, a lot of the time we don't even realize that we just realize, Oh man, I had a really bad night of sleep. Um, so I, I wear a little breathing mask and it's actually, you can't hear it. It's very, it's like white noise when I fall asleep. It's, it's really nice. Um, but I was two minutes away from having narcolepsy. And what that means is I, if I had fallen asleep any quicker, like two minutes sooner than how I was falling asleep, um, then I would have been diagnosed with narcolepsy. Wow. Yeah. And And it just goes to show that I think because I was doing crisis work, my adrenaline was too high where I couldn't, you know, I couldn't just fall asleep. But, um, I mean, it was bad before I had my sleep study, you know, I'd go on vacations and I just wanted to sleep. I, and I couldn't explain it. It was just, I'm sure for others frustrating, but I just, I did not have enough energy. I was so tired and, and you know, I could see how people can, that's where they start drinking four cups of coffee a day or, you know, the rock stars or the Red Bulls. And instead of just saying, you know, maybe if they took a 20 minute nap that day, they'd feel a lot better than drinking four cups of coffee. Yeah. And I can hear how passionate you are about this because it's a huge part of our health and it's something that's really kind of just whatever, like sleep isn't really talked about that much. Yeah, you know, like I never think when I go to my doctor to my therapist to really like mention how much sleep I'm getting. I I do now because like I I notice for myself when I'm going through a, a time of anxiety or um, just feeling kind of down, like my sleep does get impacted. And now that I'm a therapist and educated about this, I bring it up. But beforehand, I would never have seen a correlation between any of it. Wow. You know, I think too, like I, I always recommend, um, I know for me, when I do take a mental health day, that my mental health days are, I'm going to sleep all day. I'm just going to do nothing but sleep. And I'm not going to feel bad about it <laughs> because I know I'm going to feel better. I'm going to feel so much more refreshed. And I, you know, I think that, I mean, again, like more people need to sleep, more people. Um, I do think that if they were incorporating, incorporating in tools to fall asleep and stay asleep and just taking it serious, I think that they could feel a lot better, a lot healthier too. I mean, less sleep is where you get the weight gain because you're not sleeping. It increases, you know, aging. Um, there's so many components to that sleep and how it affects not only your mental health, but your physical health as well. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I I definitely want to come back to talking about tools that people can use to incorporate into their nightly routine so that they get um, into a more healthy routine that helps them fall asleep better and stay Mm -hmm. asleep. So we'll we'll talk about that. But um, I really want to come back to what you just mentioned about working with crisis clients and being a clinician and kind of taking some of that stress home with you because a lot of people listening to this podcast are therapists or have high stress jobs. And I think they carry a lot of that home. And mm-hmm. obviously we've heard about vicarious trauma when helping professionals or pro- take home um, some of the things their clients share about and that transcends into their personal life, which mm-hmm. obviously is going to impact their quality of sleep. Um, so it sounds like you kind of experienced some of that. Yeah. You know, um, 
in the, the, the line of crisis, it's, there's a lot of um, stories that you'll hear that can be impacting. Um, you, you don't know what your day is going to look like. I mean, you, you know your schedule, like my, you know, I had my schedule, but I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know when I was going to have a lunch because I couldn't really predict much because it's crisis. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of, a lot of that, that component is, yeah, leading to burnout. And if, especially the high, the high stress where you get that brain chemistry pumping, it's, it's, it's unstoppable in a sense. Right. And so I know in, in the world of mental health and just as anybody with their profession, they can be extremely high stress positions. Um, but that's, it's even more so to, to take care of yourself, more so to ensure that you are taking the steps um, to make sure that you can continue to move forward for the long haul, right? Because crisis work is so short term in the sense that a lot of people don't say, yeah, I'm going to stay in crisis work and probably stay within this field for the rest of my life because it's high burnout. Can you say a little bit about what burnout is for someone who might not know? Yeah, you know, um, that's so funny. I was I was researching that because, you know, some people might say, "Oh, I'm burnt out," but um, it's I a know thing like physical symptoms. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, for me, the the burnout as a crisis clinician will be when I just, I mean, when I just don't. Um, sorry, that's actually my crisis phone. Let me turn that down. You know, I when I just need to take a step back. I mean, for me, when I'm experiencing burnout, I am tired and I, I don't really feel like going to work, which that's when I know because I love what I do. And that's when I know I'm having burnout mm -hmm. when I just don't want to be there, when I just want to go home or when I don't want to be around anybody because I need that downtime. And I'm an extrovert. So I get my energy from being around people. But when I am burnt out, I don't want to be around anyone. So that's, that's, that's how I know I get burnt out, but it's also physical. I mean, I'm tired. I'm sluggish. Um, I even feel like I, I experience like stress in my body where I feel bloated. It's, it's just, it's so, it's somatic. It's so interesting. Yeah. It really does get physically manifested for me. It's always kind of the same thing. I, I feel the lack of motivation. I actually do notice a change in my sleep pattern where I want to sleep more often. So mm -hmm. with this conversation, I'm kind of thinking like, hmm, I wonder if when I'm burnt out or I have like high stress at work and I'm taking that home with me, if that is impacting my sleep and I'm not getting the REM or the deep quality, um, sleep that I need during that time. Cause my brain is probably overstimulated and overworked. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're experiencing burnout, you may be sleep deprived and it, it affects your psychological state. It affects your mental health, mm -hmm. um, which could lead to insomnia or other sleep or disorders. Um, and, and, you know, American, a lot of Americans are burnt out and a lot of Americans are sleep deprived. Um, and that's when psychiatric conditions are likely to increase. Yeah. And you know, it's so sad to me because in our culture, we're so, you know, capitalism's great. It creates mm -hmm. opportunities for so many people, but it also sets us up to feel like we're never doing enough. Right. And mm -hmm. People just feel guilty if they take a nap or they feel like sleep is wasting precious time that they could be doing something productive. And um, everyone's on such a go, go, go with so much stimulation around all the time, especially in cities like Los Angeles or San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just so much going on that your brain needs to process. 
that sleep is vitally important, and yet we kind of have a culture that views wasting time or taking the rest of something that's negative. Um, you know, and I lived in Italy um, when I was 21 for three months, and they literally take an hour-long nap break. See, well, they, yeah, what I'm saying like, we need to do. What are we doing? Like, why don't we have that? And they still function. I mean, their economy is not our economy, but they're still functioning, and they're way happier, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, I mean, and 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 just thinking about being, you know, I think of sleep being sleep deprived because when you're when your body's sleeping, your temperature drops, your muscles get to relax, your heart rate um, and your breathing slows down. And when you're not, when you're in a state of like burnout and you're not getting enough sleep, all of that increases. I mean, your muscles don't relax, mm-hmm. your temperature is increasing, your heart rate increases, the way you breathe increases. Um, and, and it's interesting to think, you know, when when because I work at the psychiatric unit and I always ask about sleep because I'm always, one thing is like, I don't want people to be misdiagnosed. And, and, you know, I know with people who have, who are diagnosed with a bipolar disorder and they're in a manic phase and, you know, there's limited sleep. I also think people who maybe work as an engineer or other fields where there's limited sleep and they have to move, move, move and get deadlines in. They also show the similar symptoms of somebody in a manic phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. You know, I, um, I wrote an article for my website a few months ago, um, and it was on mental health in the tech industry. And there was actually a case where a really high executive of Google or one of those big companies committed suicide and he had bipolar disorder. Um, but he chose to not take medication because in his manic phases, he was so much more productive and would stay up late at night getting more code out, doing a lot more work that he was praised for that. And yeah, I read that article. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. He was praised for that. People wanted, they, I like, they wanted to be just like him. And this man, I mean, he didn't sleep. I mean, he was, he was, he wasn't treated and he had bipolar disorder and everybody wanted to live that way. They wanted to follow his steps because he got so much done. That's so interesting, you know, and that's, and that's, yeah, I mean, I, I, it goes right back into, you know, when people study for exams and I've, I've even heard people studying for their um, law and ethics or their clinical exam. And they're like, you know, I didn't get much sleep because I wanted to make sure I studied and I studied. And it's like, that's not going to help because your brain can only absorb so much information (laughs) without sleep. No, definitely. All right. So you said that you have some tools, routines, um, anything that you have that can help clinicians and any listeners that might have anxiety, depression, trauma, bipolar disorder, kind of create healthier habits around sleep. I would love if you can kind of share some tools that worked for Mm -hmm. you or that you've had clients incorporate into their lives. Yeah. You know, um, I can say what's worked for me, um, just in my process is I, I have aromatherapy oils that um, I'll, I'll have going while I fall asleep and the scent just really feels really good. It smells really good and it, it kind of just helps to relax me because one of them is my muscles, right? I want my muscles to relax. I want my body to relax. Um, and so definitely, I mean, since I've had my, my sleep study, I have my sleep apnea machine and I can tell the difference when I use it and when I don't. Um, I, I um, I'm a little bit more cautious. Like for example, I sleepwalking, 
runs in my family. And so I don't sleepwalk, but sometimes I like kick or I punch in my sleep. Um, I also have sleep paralysis. Uh, and I notice that when I'm stressed out, my sleep paralysis is much more frequent. Um, so I don't like the way sleep paralysis feels. I'm not sure if any, for people who, who have experienced, I'm sure they'll say the same. It doesn't feel fun. Um, is that when so you I have to in the middle so, of, is that when you wake up in the middle of a REM, um, yeah. cycle and you yeah. can't move your body? Yeah. Oh, that's so terrifying. And that oh. happened to me like one time when I was 18 years old and I remember I was so freaked out cause I like couldn't move for two minutes and I was in this weird, creepy, like Emily <laughs> Rose style position. From the oh. And I was just like, what is happening? Like it was the scariest experience yeah. ever, cause you feel out of control. Yeah. It's, it's so the worst is when it happens and there's like maybe a blanket over my head. And then I think, Oh my gosh, what if I can't move this blanket? And then I can't, I just get in my thoughts. Right. Yeah. So one of them, and that's where the anxiety kicks in with sleep. Like what if I can't fall asleep and this happens? A lot of it is the self-talk, mm -hmm. um, you know, that I incorporate your, you know, when I know, notice that I'm laying down and I'm maybe tossing and turning and I'm not falling asleep. A lot of it is self-talk. It's you're okay. You're going to have a great day tomorrow. You're going to have a good night's sleep you are going to fall asleep and you're going to feel really good and rested. And I actually, um, incorporate visuals. Like I, I have my own kind of visual that I have playing in my head to help me fall asleep. It sounds really silly, but it's just like daisies. Like I'm just running through daisies. It really <laughs> helps me fall asleep. Um, so I always, you know, tell my clients, you know, pick a visual, a smell, a scent, something to touch. Um, for some of my clients, what has worked are body pillows, something that they could hold on to. It's safe um, for those who've experienced trauma. Um, kind of making sure that they they have something to hold on to. Um, so it's also physical too. Um, temperatures, making sure it's not too warm in the room. Um, you know, other components is some people making sure that they have a night light if that's helpful or they don't have any lights at all or maybe they need to wear one of those eye masks because any little light will will cause them to not fall asleep turn your phone over so you know it's it's on it's on silent or turn it over so you can't see it flash if you get a notification um all those little things we don't think about but also winding down an hour before maybe not drinking water an hour before you go to bed um reading a book not watching tv and then phone sleep that's because that gets your you're still your brain's still pumping if you watching tv and then you shut it off and you should try to go straight to bed try to read a book listen to soft music um really incorporating those things um and then when you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night and you're trying to go back to sleep physically get out of bed turn on a light and read a magazine not something that's educational just something more of that's fun look through the mag until you feel like you are starting to fall asleep again and then get back in bed. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, those are tools that it, it's really going to vary from person to person, uh, but they're tools to practice even when you're not having trouble falling asleep. They're just tools to practice so they become habits. And that's kind of where for treatment with mental health, CBT really falls into line. Um, CBT is great for working with clients who um, are having sleep difficulty um and dbt is really good as well for teens anyway i think it's you know the teens really dbt has really helped um for some of the teams i've worked with yeah definitely and something that i found has helped me um because i've always been a night owl and i've always really like 
I get like this weird burst of energy around nine o'clock and I just <laughs> cannot fall asleep for the life of me. And I've just never been a morning person, always been a night person, but something that's kind of helped me in the last year that I really started to um, appreciate more. And I notice a change on nights. I don't do it is to have like a really regimented routine. So I journal, I read, I meditate, I light an incense. Um, I try to take, if there's one night where I'm just like, I can't right now, like I take some valerian root or melatonin and that helps so much just kind of ease me and, um, calm down my like go, go, go brain that for some reason tends to come out around nine o'clock, but really having like a routine and journaling, processing what happened all day, getting it out on paper. So it's not ruminating and, um, running through my mind Mm -hmm. and doing a mindfulness meditation for at least 10 minutes that just allows me to really tune into my body and like my breathing and relax. And that for me has made such a difference in my life and in my nightly routine specifically. That's something I now look forward to when Mm -hmm. I come home from work is I kind of know I'm going to have, you know, my 10 minute meditation with my incense lit and I'm going to have some time to just process and journal if I need to. Um, and oh, I look that's so relaxing. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah, you know, I I, I would hope that um, in the future more people get excited about sleep, and it's so it's free. <laughs> it's uh, it's there. It's it's we need to take advantage of it. Um, it's you know, the more sleep you have in your life, the longer you live. I mean, research just shows all of those components, um, and it's right there to be taken advantage of and. And I would hope eventually people just get more excited or want to learn more about it. Um, Because I feel like that's something that you're right, that you said earlier is not talked about too often um, about the effects of sleep and how important sleep is. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. And it's not time wasted. It's actually, it's an investment towards mm-hmm. your health and an investment towards your career and your productivity and your, your mental health as well, because you can't function at your best if you're deprived of sleep. I think there, I forgot exactly how many days a person can go without sleep, but it's like less than water or something. Yeah. No, I think it's like less than a week, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe like four days, something like that. It's, it's, it's not, it's less than water. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, that just should speak to how important it is. It's something we literally cannot live without. Like water. Mm-hmm. Water. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. I usually ask my guests to share three quick takeaway points. So if you could just give us three quick points that you feel are important to take from this discussion, that would be great. I would say um, for anyone listening, you know, if they're clinicians doing crisis work or not even crisis work, but those long hours, um, maybe trying to incorporate even a 20 minute nap instead of another cup of coffee um, that, you know, for their lunch, I I think. But also um, when working in in part of that assessment component with clients is really dissecting the sleep. Um, And of course, that's going to come into what they're there for treatment, but really in that assessment component is your chance to really dissect what the, what's going on in terms of sleep and referring out to medical providers. If there is a concern with sleep, always just referring out to the, the medical provider. Um, 
because I think people get scared of having sleep studies, but they're actually very beneficial. And if nothing comes from the sleep study, at least you get a day of sleep. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool to like know that about yourself, you know, like I'm sure you had no idea that you were so close to being diagnosed with narcolepsy. Yeah. You know, I thought that I was just getting depressed or something. (laughs) I was like, why am I so sluggish? Like, am am I getting depressed or, and then I was getting anxiety around the fact that I wasn't sleeping well. And, um, you know, my, my partner, he was actually feeling unsafe because I was kicking and punching a lot. And he was like, what is going on? And I was like, okay, this is that at that point when, when I was punching in my sleep, that's when he was like, you know what, let's go to the doctor. Um, the doctor actually put him on a safety plan and I, that really scared me. And I was like, I really need to make sure my sleep is, is taken care of and what's going on in my daytime that's affecting my nighttime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds so crazy to me. Not, I don't hate the word crazy, but it sounds so, um, interesting to me that this was all going on and here I am and thinking, well, what is it? Is it cause I'm, am I not, am I, am I depressed or what's going on? It was my sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's so important because so much is often misdiagnosed and Mm -hmm. as professionals, you know, it is our duty to Mm -hmm. ensure that our clients are getting the best quality care and that we rule out all possible causes. And that's just something that like people don't really think about. Like I always send my clients to their primary care doctor and stuff, but to sleep study or to have that really dissected and looked at you know, that doesn't really come up that often. So this for me is a really good reminder that this is really important and something that I need to assess for when I'm working with clients and maybe learning and building some relationships with some sleep clinics to get referrals back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I, um, you know, when I went in, that's for my sleep study, I was like, wow. I mean, I wish my, I mean, years ago when I had a therapist, I, she was great, but we never really talked about sleep and I was still having sleep issues then. So it was just, you know, I think about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for yeah. joining us. Can you share a little bit about how people can reach you if they have a question? I will link a bio um, to the bottom of the episode, but if there's anything you want to share as far as reaching you or if anyone has questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's Amanda Cortez. My email is amanda at yes to therapy.com. And my website is www.yestotherapy.com. Awesome. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And to my listeners, thank you so much for the support. I, like I said, I'm so happy to be featured on iTunes. If you guys like this episode, please go ahead and share it. The more we get out, the more stigma we get to break about mental health and the more education we get out there. Um, just a few updates. I am going to have some great guests lined up coming onto the show. We're going to be talking about lots of different topics, Narcan pens for overdosing, Um, We're going to have some health and wellness, some nutritionists coming on. So I'm so excited about that. And once again, thank you for your support. I also wanted to let you know that I I do have openings right now in my practice. So if you are looking for a therapist in Santa Monica, you guys can reach out to me at www.meridian-counseling.com. Also, if you are interested in being a featured guest on the podcast, 
you can reach me at that same link or send me an email to sandramytherapist at gmail.com. And as I always say, remember to follow your compass. Thanks for listening, guys.